Brother Green. Thank you, Brother Willis. It is good to see everybody this morning, and it is good to hear the abundance of rain. We have had some rain for three days in a row, and I am so, so thankful. Thinking about maybe writing a bulletin article on uh, that subject, the sound of abundance of rain. Seems like I've read about that somewhere before, but I'm very, very thankful for it. I want to thank Clancy for giving us a uh, preview of what we're going to talk about this morning. He talked about it Wednesday night in uh, his devotional, and in his list of questions that he asked, one of the questions that he asked was, are we using our talents for God? And certainly, he did a great job in uh, teaching that in his devotional Wednesday night. I want to look into this parable of the talents a little bit more this morning. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. If you'll be turning there, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And the reason I wanted to preach this this morning is because I had actually heard on a podcast earlier in the week. I heard something on that podcast, and I said, that is a great point. I need to preach that. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Let's just read through this, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, and then we're going to talk about some things that we want to keep in mind as it pertains to this parable. Beginning in verse 14, the Lord says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey." So he's entrusting these talents to them according to their ability. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two, two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me, or to me, five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord... I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. Key in on that, he was afraid. Is it not the case that sometimes we're so afraid of making the wrong move that we just sit still and don't do anything? If a brand new lieutenant comes out of the Air Force Academy or the Naval Academy or uh, West Point or what have you, and, and he gets sent off overseas, and he's got his firing squad or whatever, and, and he is in battle, and 
He doesn't know what to do, and so he just sits there, and he doesn't make a decision. What's going to happen to him and his squad? It's going to be bad, isn't it? Sometimes you got to just make a decision. Well, when you don't make a decision and, and you just sit there, you're a sitting duck. Well, that's kind of what this guy's doing. He is fearful, and so he doesn't do anything. He just hides his talent. He buries it in the ground. I was afraid, verse 25, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does Jesus go right into after that? The parting of the sheep and the goats to the right hand and to the left. Jesus goes right into the eternal destination of men's souls. If you're the sheep on the right hand, you will enter into the joy of the Lord. If you are the goats on the left hand, you will enter into eternal condemnation. So the parable of the talents is a very, very serious subject matter. And I want to start this morning by looking at what is often overlooked. And that is that this is a parable about what? This is a parable about stewardship. And I put it there in really big letters for you so you can make sure you remember this. This is a parable about stewardship. Now, typically when this parable is brought up in, in our studies, we usually jump to the application. What talents am I using for the Lord? And that is good and that is necessary. And we're going to get to that application in just a moment. But we need to make sure that we don't overlook the point that this is about stewardship in general. And before we get the cart before the horse this morning, I want to talk about stewardship and what that idea means. Merriam-Webster Online defines stewardship this way, the careful and responsible management of something that is entrusted to one's care. Does the Bible have much to say about stewardship? It does. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. What did uh, Jesus use to describe the five-talent man and the two-talent man in this parable? Well done, good and faithful servant. They were good stewards of what, God, what Jesus gave to them. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, As each one has received a gift... Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Both uh, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 and 1 Peter 4 verse 10 that we just read, they're dealing with being good stewards of the ministry that was given to the apostles. And certainly I have to be a good steward of, of my ministry. But we have to be good stewards in all 
aspects of our lives. Titus 1, verse number 7, For a bishop or an elder must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, etc. And it goes into some more qualifications for elders. They must be good stewards. Let me ask you this this morning. Of everything that is good in this world, who does or who do those things belong to? Of everything good in this world, who do they belong to? They belong to God, don't they? The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to Him. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. It all belongs to God. He's just letting us use it for a little while. He's just letting us be stewards of the things that belong to Him. So let me ask you this. What is the parable of the talents about? Well, it's about stewardship. And let me ask you this. What is a talent? It's money. A talent is a sum of money. We must be good stewards of our money. Incidentally, we talked about this Friday night. A talent is a sum of money, and in fact, a talent was a very large sum of money, which we're going to get to in just a moment. Who's on that uh, bill right there, by the way? You might know? Benjamin Franklin? No. It's me. (laughs) Because I'm preaching to myself here, and you need to put yourself on it, because we are supposed to be Good stewards of our money. Knew I'd get you all with that one. How much was a talent? One talent was worth, get this, 80 pounds of silver. One talent, 80 pounds of silver. I'd like to know what that was worth today. I'd like to have 80 pounds of silver That's 6,000 days wages, or 16.4 years worth of wages for a typical Roman citizen. So when Jesus gives these talents to these men, he's giving a lot of money in this parable. This is a huge sum of money. One servant is handed five of these talents. That's 400 pounds of silver. That is 30,000 days wages. Another, the other servant was handed two talents, 160 pounds of silver, 12,000 days wages. And again, the one received one talent, 80 pounds of silver, 6,000 days wages. I don't know about you, but that just jumps out at me as I study this. By the way, I I never looked that up until I was preparing for this lesson, exactly what a talent was worth. That should jump out at you. These are astronomical amounts of money that was entrusted to the care of these men in the parable of the talents. Question, do we have to be good stewards of our money? Yes, we do. Do we spend our money wisely? Do we do good with our money? 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19 
It says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. One of the things we asked uh, Friday night was when you grow up and, and the Lord blesses you with money. By the way, is money evil? The love of money is evil, but not money itself. Money is neutral. It can be good if used for good. It can be bad if used for bad, and we are certainly not to love it. But one of the questions that we asked Friday night was, when you grow up and you have a job and the Lord blesses you with money, are you going to give? And are you going to give in a truly sacrificial way, a sacrificial manner? We need to examine everything that God has given us, and we need to ask ourselves, what are we giving back to God? But we also want to ask this, do we idolize our money? Do we rob God, Malachi 3 and verse 9? We cannot look past, when we look at the parable of the talents, that Jesus says we have to be good stewards of the money that he gives us. He praised as faithful to who were good stewards of the talents. And he chastised and he condemned the one who was not a good steward because of his fear. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, for there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that we got the most obvious application of the parable of the talents out of the way, Let's go to the next part, which is the other applications that we usually make and need to make from this parable. Because when we talk about stewardship, not only must we be good stewards of our money, but we must be good stewards of everything that God gives us in this life. Christian, are you a good steward of your time? Are you a good steward of your time? Moses wrote in the Psalms, Psalm 90, verses 9 through 12, For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We have to number our days. We have to realize that our lives are finite, that our lives are one day going to end. They will end like all the lives that have ended throughout history. And we will one day return to the dust of the earth. Or if Jesus returns before that should happen, then our life will still end as we know it, and we will go and be with him in the clouds. So we have to number our days. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 16 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Same concept that Paul teaches in this passage is we must redeem our time. 
As Moses wrote in the Psalm, verse 90, we need to, to number our days. The point being, when we redeem the time, we buy back the time. We realize as time gets short, and by the way, is it still speeding up for you? The older you get, what happens to time? It speeds up. Is it still speeding up? You better buy it back. And how can you redeem the time? How can you buy back the time? Can you get it back? Well, that's not what he's talking about there, but we can make the best of it. We can make the best use of our time. And the older we get and the more time speeds up, we realize just how precious time is. And so hopefully, as we get older and wiser, we use our time more wisely. Christian, are you a good steward of your relationships? Are you a good steward of your relationships? Perhaps this one is overlooked, but it doesn't need to be. The Bible is full of passages that deal with proper relationships. Ephesians chapter 5, the proper relationship between a husband and a wife. 1 Peter chapter 3 as well. Uh, many passages in Proverbs that deal with proper relationships in the family. What about re relationships between parents and children? The Bible is full of passages that teach that children are to honor their parents and obey their parents. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Proverbs as well. What about grandparents? You know, grandparents have responsibility to teach the grandchildren as well. We see that in the Bible as well. What about relationships between workers and boss uh, in in uh, early Christian times, even being taught with that same principle in mind between a slave and their master. Jesus says, look, I know the circumstance uh, isn't as great as, it, as you would like it, but there's still a proper way to be. And, and you can give God glory in, in your interactions in those kinds of circumstances. So our relationships are key. We have to have proper relationships. What about our relationships between Christians and our elders? Are we obeying them and honoring them in uh, Hebrews chapter 13 verses 7 and 17? What about our relationships between citizen and the government? Do we respect them? Romans chapter 13 and obey the government. We have to be good stewards of our relationships. But finally this morning, what we usually think of, and we're about to get to the point that gave me the idea for this lesson that I was talking about earlier, that podcast that I was listening to. What about our talents? Now in the parable, talent means a sum of money. But what do we usually think of when we think of talents? We think of our abilities. We think of things that we can do to build up and to edify the body of Christ, are we good stewards of our talents as it pertains to our abilities? I want you to read very closely with me. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Our talents, our abilities, our gifts are unique contributions that we can make to the body of Christ, whether we're talking about the local congregation or we're talking about the body as a whole. 
Are we using our talents and our abilities for the Lord? Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom, from Christ who is our head, the whole body, that's the church, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself as a joint, but you are. You are a joint in the body. And some may have experienced something called joint pain, maybe arthritis. And when these kinds of pain come upon you, the body suffers, doesn't it? It's not very fun to deal with, is it? Joint pain. I need you to think about yourself, Christian, this morning like a joint that is in the body. And when one joint suffers, the body suffers. There's another text in the Bible that talks about we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Every member of the body of Christ is important. So he says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part, and what does that say? Does its share. When every part, every joint of the body does its share, what does Paul say is going to happen to the body? Causes growth. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Christian, if you're not doing your part this morning, if you're not doing your part in the body of Christ, then how much growth are we lacking as a congregation? You must do your part. Every member has a part to play in the body of Christ. All of us have a role in the church. We've got to be good stewards of our roles. This is where the podcast came in that I was listening to earlier in the week. And I, again, I, believe, I uh, appreciate Clancy for mentioning these ideas Wednesday night. Are you using your talents? In the podcast, the host made this point, and I'll make it too. Raise your hand if you know what your gift is. Raise your hand if you know what your gift is in the body of Christ. Okay, do we not know what our gift is? Some people are just being shy. I, I know. But you need to ask yourself, what is my gift? What are my gifts? Plural. Because maybe you have more than one. Some men were given more than one talent, weren't they? Some were given, one was given five, one was given two. One was given one, and you know what? That was okay. If he would have used it, the Lord would have been pleased with him. But he didn't use his gift. Everyone in this room who is a Christian has a gift. Everybody has something they can do for the cause of Christ. 
Everybody has something they can do to build up the body of Christ. Are you using your gift? Do you know what your gift is? Could be song leading. Could be when when a preacher is away, standing right here and preaching a sermon. It could be taking meals to those who are ailing, those who are hurting, those who are going through a hard time. It could be teaching the children. You've got the gift. Children love you. Some people children just flock to. And maybe you've got that gift. Maybe you can teach the children. Are you teaching the children? There are all kinds of gifts that are available in the body of Christ. We need to be able to identify them. The sad reality is that in every congregation, there's going to be some who either do not know their gift or for whatever reason do not use their gift. They sit in a pew. They listen to the preacher. And then they go home. Y'all remember that sermon from about a year and a half ago? They come to church. They listen to the preacher, and then they go home. That's what Christians do now. That's not what Christians do now. That's not what Christians are supposed to do. Christians are supposed to do what you see on the screen right there, which is Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. Every joint, every part in the body of Christ has a role to play. And when we do it, what's going to happen to the body of Christ? It will grow. I am preaching to a lot of faces this morning that I say, I see a lot of people who are doing a lot of work. I see a lot of people who helped me tremendously so much. And again, I'll say thank you again in VBS a couple of weeks ago. I see a lot of people who are using their talents for the Lord. We have an active congregation. We really do. We have a good congregation. Could it be the case that there are a few who are not using your talents, though? Could it be the case that there are a few who could use some encouragement to find a talent? Because it's there, guarantee you. Could it be the case that there are a few who need a gentle nudge to use their talents for the Lord? What is the parable of the talents in a nutshell? Stewardship. Let's go back if I can. We'll we'll skip that. Stewardship. Stewardship. The parable of the talents is about stewardship. Our money, our time, our relationships, and our talents, our abilities. Are you using all that God has given you? the glory of the Lord. Think about your life this morning. In an audience this size, there may be someone here this morning who has never obeyed the gospel. If you have never obeyed the gospel, the Bible teaches that we must obey the gospel. The gospel is the good news of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what he did for you so that you can be saved. But simply believing the gospel, acknowledging that the gospel, the good news exists, 
acknowledging that Jesus died for you and was buried and rose again, simply acknowledging those facts is not enough. You must obey the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 8. How do we obey the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Colossians 2, verses 12 through 14. We're buried with him in baptism. We bury that old person of sin in the watery grave of baptism. Do you bury alive people or dead people? Dead, I hope. Hopefully nobody's burying people alive. If, that, if that's the case, we've got other problems. You bury someone who's dead. You put your man of sin to death. You bury him in the watery grave. You rise up and you walk in newness of life. If you've never done that this morning, do that. Believe on Christ with all of your heart. Repent of your sins. Change your mind. Realize where I'm going is wrong. I need to turn around and make those changes in your life. Confess Christ before this audience this morning. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Do that, and the Lord will add you to his church. Acts 2, verse 47. You'll be a Christian. At that point, make up your mind that as a newborn babe in Christ, you will desire the sincere, pure milk of God so that you can grow, so that you will walk in his light as he is in the light, so that you can be faithful unto death, so that you can receive the crown of life. Well done, good, and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Don't you want to hear that on the judgment day? I do. And I trust that you do as well. If you need to come, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.